The following is a Pro Football Network podcast, the primary voice for pro football at profootballnetwork.com. In the NFL season, and I mean in life in general, we feel overwhelmed a lot. And I know as a player, um, I kind of talk, I guess maybe myself and coaches or whatever, it was just like, hey, no excuses, no explanations, just get the job done. And if that's always your mindset, you, you have to give yourself a break at some point, whether it's soon as you get home, give yourself a 30 minute wind down, an hour, however long you can do. I have this Pomodoro technique that I've been using lately and it helps mm, me kind of, okay. you know, give myself. So I got a, a, an hourglass that's 25 minutes. So once that 25 minutes is up, whatever focus work I'm doing, I take a five minute break and get away from it. And awesome. then I come back and reset. And it kind of helps me, you know, not yep. get locked into something so long and not get overwhelmed with it. Because when you're overwhelmed, you're stressed, you can't make plays and that's the same <laughs> thing in life but you can't yeah, make man. the best plays um as you can so that'll be i guess my my tad bit of advice my two cents on that welcome everybody to another edition of more than football i am your co-host brett yaris behavior analyst for pro football network and with me is the chief nfl analyst trey wingo and we are bringing you this show in a year 2021 of our lord where trey you can sell your voice and face for two hundred thousand dollars to a robotics company is that worth it to you? Uh, no, because uh, this whole like AI thing, why, Skynet is real. Okay, why are we why are we <laughs> advancing the end of humanity? I, like you see these robots out of the Boston Institute, they're jumping over things and they're opening doors and they're dancing. Like you know what's coming. We've seen how this plays out. We let's have, like, just seven pump. movies about this. I mean, Elon Musk, who is as pro AI as possible, said, "Let's let's." Let's pump the brakes here on our own extinction. So, by, by the way, are you doing this from your refrigerator? I'm just asking. You know what? I am. I am uh, I'm a little chilly. I have the. I'm in my my big my big studio where I work with everybody. But uh, I have my hat. It's a little chilly, and I just like to be nice and warm. You don't you don't like it? So, so you're like one of those 93 year olds that doesn't turn on the heat because they don't they don't want to spend the extra money. What's what's going on here? I'm an old soul, my man. I'm an old soul. You're 20. What? What? How old are you? I just turned 32. Come on, turn up the I'm heat. Old, live a little. I'm old by NFL standards. Old by I'll, NFL. I'll, I'll float you. I'll float you the monthly oil bill. Appreciate you, my man. Well, look, we had the reason I even asked brought that up is because I saw this on our on our guest Twitter feed today, and it got me thinking. And we have an awesome guest, nine year NFL vet, co host of the Man to Man podcast and one of the uh the up-and-comers in sports media he has been fantastic i've been following on twitter for a while he's been doing a lot of db breakdown videos which has been awesome in shedding some light into what goes on pre and post snap for dbs wide receivers and offenses his name is darius butler let's get him in here what's up what's what's up what's up man how y'all doing we're so good. wait a minute, this was on your feed about selling your face and voice for 200K? It absolutely oh, you was. know, uh, yeah, I, I would absolutely not do that. And I'm, I'm on the same page as you guys, man. What the hell are we doing? Let's, let's, I, I don't let's, understand, man. Like, let's I, pump your brakes a little bit, man. I, it's like, you know, we know how this ends. And I, people are just like, oh, isn't this the greatest? I'm like, no, it's literally the worst thing we could possibly be doing. <laughs> literally the worst thing. I mean, you're just creating something that's, you know, the next level and I guess evolution. Like, let's slow down. Let's let them figure yeah. Let's live a little. Scary stuff, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, the uh the future is on its way, whether we like it or not, I guess, is the is the lesson here. And look, if there's anyone that knows about that, it's NFL players, right? The future comes for you, whether you're ready for it or not. Yeah. And oh, Darius, yeah. couple couple questions for you here. You spent the bulk of your time with the Colts, but before that, you were drafted 
by the New England Patriots, a UConn grad. What was it like being drafted to a team in the region you spent a lot of time playing college football? Um, it was awesome. It was awesome. You know, I did go to college um, pretty far away from home, from, from South Florida, you know, going to college in the Northeast. And that, you know, kind of becomes your home, your second home. And then to get drafted to a place that's so close, you can send the New England area, keep a lot of the same fans. And then that 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 area, that Boston, you know, that city of Boston, when it comes to their sports, like I don't know if it's a better city. It may make some listeners upset, but that's probably the best um, sports city all around that I've been in. The Bruins, the Celtics, wow. the, the Patriots, the Red Sox, like everyone's standard is so high. And same for the fans. So it was cool to be there. And uh, like you said, the future came pretty fast. It only lasted two years and had to figure it out after that. There you go. Well, listen, I have my thoughts on the Boston sports fandom. I think they're a bunch of front-running bandwagon guys. Like, wow. Wow. Oh, shots I'm serious. Fired. Like, here's what I'm saying. Like, if tell me you're a Patriots fan, then tell me who Scott Sisson is or Mac Heron or Andre Tippett. I don't want to – oh, I've been a fan since 2001. That doesn't count, okay? I can remember old Foxborough Stadium where nobody showed up. Like, the Patriots were a joke. <laughs> they were a joke until Bill Parcells and then followed by Bill Belichick showed up. So this this whole Patriot fandom thing has been really convenient when they started winning all the time. I mean, but what about, what about the Celtics? The Celtics no, Celtics are good. Up. Celtics, okay. I got you. Okay. If you're a Red Sox fan, God bless you. you, you this, you've earned this, okay? You've earned this sure. after years of misery since 1918. So I, enjoy it. But the whole <laughs> I've been a lifelong Patriots fan since 2001, yeah, okay. Yeah. They did dominate for two decades. So if they did. No, it's the greatest run in the history of the NFL. It'll never happen again. It'll never happen I, again. I, I agree with you. I agree with yeah. you. All Enough right. about Boston fans. We were, <laughs> we, we were talking uh, before we came live here um, about the recent news in, in college football, Darius. We had Brian Kelly, who, by the way, look, I, I, I don't know him personally. I know a lot of guys who coached with him and, and played with him, you know. I saw the real, I saw the Brian Kelly I've always known about this week. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then you've got um, Lincoln Riley heading over to USC from Oklahoma. Um, you played at UConn. Randy Etzel had a similar departure from UConn. What is your takeaway yeah. from the literal coaches? departure? Literal <laughs> departure. Literal. Yeah, yeah. I, I was a couple years um, removed from college at that point. I was in the league at that point, but. You know, you, you realize even as you get older in college, you know how much of a business it is. You know, yeah. it's a college business. And even though you're amateurs as a player and you're not getting paid, um, they're getting paid now. But when I was in college, we weren't getting paid. We knew, you know, how much money most of the highest paid state employees are college uh, coaches. So uh, we, we, we know Did you care about is. that then. Like when you, uh, were, when you were a player in uh, UConn, were you were you being like, man, I wish we were getting a piece of this pie? Uh, not really, honestly, just because it had been like that forever. So it wasn't like I felt like I was missing out on anything necessarily. And I actually knew, you know, I had a chance to go to the next level. So I was more okay. focused on that as opposed to, you know, trying to maximize my athletic career in Connecticut. Um, I felt like that was not a stepping stone, obviously an experience and an important one, but that was a stepping stone to my ultimate goal. So it didn't matter who walked in and who was the head coach. I was going to be bought in and I was going to be out there, you know, playing and leading the other guys so I don't I, it matters to an extent but if you're a player there if you're a captain if you're an upperclassman like you have your goals whether that's on the football field or office so um you'll take care of your job in that role well there's a couple of things I, I want to touch on there that you brought up first of all thank god that the bullshit of college football is now wide open okay? yeah it's for everyone it's, to it's see. a big business it's always been a big business and don't ever tell me it's not a big business anymore 
And, and you know, I college football up until this year with some NIL money, and I think that's more money's coming to the players. You, you can't justify 110 million for Lincoln Riley and 95 for Brian Kelly and get free labor costs. Okay, agree. No it's, it's the line from Hamilton: "Hey neighbor, you don't have debt because you got free labor." When yep. you know when they talk about between the north and the south there. So let's just let it's wide open now. Let's not pretend like it's never not been that, and it's always been this way. And Absolutely. part of that big business is these moves that we saw this week. And when I say literal departure, for people that don't know, Randy Edson, <laughs> who did an, an amazing job at UConn. Like, UConn Incredible. was nothing at, w- before he got there. It, what, his first run at UConn was one of the most remarkable turnarounds I can remember in the last 25, 30 years of college football, even longer than that maybe. But UConn finally got to a BCS bowl game, and they played Oklahoma. And R- Randy didn't even get on the plane after the game to fly back to stores with his team. That's how quickly he Did left. that happen this year in the NFL? The Maryland job. But the point being, like what we saw this week from Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley is nothing new. So yeah, I, yeah. I find it a little funny that people are up in arms about it now. This is the way it's always been. Are we just now seeing it right for the first time? Yeah, I think that's what it is, just seeing it more. And, and you know, I, I was even been obviously been an alum of UConn. I was pissed with how, how Randy left. And um, I think it has more to do with, you know, the rules that are not in place in the NCAA as far as tampering and being able to leave, you know, at this point in the season. I don't agree with that. Um, like I said, you understand it from a business standpoint, like if that's the, you know, the best opportunity for you and your family at that time, you know, you take that, take that leap, Absolutely. take that chance. But, you know, you, I think you owe it to your guys to have that face-to-face conversation. But we do live in a time, too, where you make a decision or you give that agent the go-ahead, and five minutes later it can be leaked on multiple platforms, and you right. just don't have that opportunity to say it first. So it part of the media plays a big role in that as well. Uh, but I hate that it has to be this way. But I also, you know, I see it from both sides. I see it from Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley's yeah. side. Like, hey, you're oh. offering – hundred million dollars and this, that, and the third. Like, yeah, I'm on the first thing smoking too. But I appreciate him even going back to Notre Dame and having that quick conversation with his his players. I I, I well, do appreciate that. That that's what I ask you. First of all, yeah, if, if you're offered wealth, life changing generational money, I have no problem with you taking it. And whatever you have to do, to take it. I get it. But you mentioned Brian Kelly went back to LSU. What's actually better? An 11 minute conversation that you brought everybody in at 7 a.m. or just a group text at that point, right? Because you're only being I mean, there, you're only being there for 11 minutes. It's like, hey guys, this has been fun. I'm out of here. The the only problem I had with that is like you said, the 7 a.m. Like you know, make it at make it at nine o'clock, maybe Dude. 11. If I'm if I'm if I'm not making that meet now, hey, what's up? I was talking to AB this morning on my uh, pod, and that was a hey, coach. You know, let me know what what Coach Kelly said on his way out. But I'm not making a seven o'clock meeting. But I do appreciate, you know, just still having that face to face with guys who yeah. went and sat in their living room and recruited and talked to their parents and did all those different things. Even if you come in there for two, five minutes and say your piece, not take questions. We know what it is at this point. Like I said, everyone's that have seen it, the fans, the parents, your sister, your cousin. So um, at least we had that man to man conversation. You going about your business. And uh, as players, I always tell players this, too. You know, try not to burn bridges, players, coaches. Yeah. I don't care how a coach or an exec or whoever leaves you, you know, don't act out of yourself, out of your character and burn that bridge because you never know when you'll see people down the line. Absolutely. I think I think what gets me is like the the bullshit 
answers that come <laughs> afterwards, right? Where it's like, yeah, you know, you know, like Lincoln Riley, you know, uh, first time I heard from uh, USC was, was this morning, you know, 45 minute conversations. Like, dude, I can't get my wife to tell us what we're having for dinner in 45 no, no, minutes. You, you, were right, you know how that works. He's actually telling the truth. He's yeah, just not telling the, the whole truth. He's That's been, right. His agent's probably been talking to them for two weeks. That's so he is. can sit there with a straight face and say, my first conversation with Oklahoma was yep. Sunday morning, but that doesn't mean there haven't been weeks of conversations going up with people representing Lincoln Riley and people representing yeah. the University of uh, Southern California. Let's be honest. And by the way, like good for USC because this is the thing the Pac-12 needed more than anything. Yeah, great for USC. You want to talk about cause and effect, Darius? He announces a signing, and one of the top two quarterbacks in the NFL out of California, hail immediately. He signs and commits to USC. Yeah, and that's why you're paying them the big bucks. And they obviously yep. have the money to do so. You had the facilities. You're in Los Angeles and that beautiful, uh, you know, that Coliseum, which is crazy. So if he can get them back on track, you know, I would love it. And and I'm programmed going back to the podium and these questions and these answers that we get from podiums. I'm programmed at this point. I'm 35. Brett, I heard you say you're 32. Yeah. I want to ask you how old you are, Trey. But anytime I see, I'm feeling great. 58. I love it. So anytime I see someone at a podium, I don't believe a word is coming out of their no. mouth personally. I yeah. don't care if it could be a coach, it could be a politician, it could be a quarterback. I don't believe shit they're saying. So because uh, y'all get coached on that, right? right? Like y'all get coached by the teams like PR or whoever that is to be like, all right, listen, you're gonna get asked about XYZ. Especially this is New how England. we want you to answer. Especially yeah. in New England. Yeah, New, New England. And I thought that was just the way of the NFL. Um, and then yeah. going and playing in two other places and obviously talking to a bunch of people like that is the complete opposite. But it's definitely 1,000% a method to that madness. Number one, you you have an easy out with the media um, because once they do get a story from you, and as far as local media especially, I, right. I love local media. I have great relationships with most of the guys and, and, and women that cover the sport. But they're, they have, it's a tough job for them to try to get a story every day, every week, and keep those listeners. So when they, get, when they do get you, they know they can come back and get you again. But when you play for Bill, you already know, okay, this rookie, he's not going to say <laughs> right, anything. Right. Okay, they're not going to talk about injuries. All right, they're not going to talk about game plan. So you are, you, it kind of helps you stick to the script. So and it, and it helps alleviate some distractions outside of the building. So I do understand it. But being on the other side, it, it kind of sucks. You don't get the answers that you want. Well, God, God bless the local media in New England because they gave giving them a whole lot to write about. That's for they sure. They usually move up, though. They usually they, they move up while right. still covering That's the right. Patriots. Um, I did want to ask you, you, you posted a video the other day. I think it was on Harrison Smith. Don't worry, everybody. We will get back in just a second. But the first thing I want to tell you about is why I love to explore new wines and who I love to do it with. See, the challenge is that I'm always not sure what to get when I go into a liquor store or a wine store to pick out wines for a holiday, get together, whatever the case is. That's why I trust First Leaf to make this easy for me. All I have to do is fill out a five-minute quiz, and First Leaf gets a unique taste preference for me, personalized, and then they send me wine to my door. First Leaf winemakers are sampling over 10,000 wines a year across five different continents and 12 countries. With that type of dedication, the ease at which the process becomes going with First Leaf, it's a no-brainer. Well, they're the choice that I go with. Now, the great thing is here at Pro Football Network and more than football with myself and Trey Wingo, we're giving you guys a great offer to get in on this experience that I've been lucky enough to be doing for quite some time now. All you have to do to get six bottles of wine for $29.95 with free shipping. That's less than $5 a bottle, by the way. Okay. All you got to do. 
go to tryfirstleaf.com slash pro football. That's right. All you have to do, tryfirstleaf.com slash pro football, and you're going to get six bottles of wine for $29.95 with free shipping. But here's the thing. That's not all you're getting. You're getting a personalized wine selection process that takes less than five minutes, and you're never going to have to worry about, am I doing this right? Am I paying too much? Am I paying too little? You don't got to do that anymore. Tryfirstleaf.com slash pro football, and we got you covered with Pro Football Network and First Leaf. Um, I did want to ask you, you, you posted a video the other day. I think it was on Harrison Smith. Um, I had made a comment on it because as I mentioned at the top, I do a lot of work with, with NFL players and my work with them has shown me how difficult it is for outsiders to put grades on players and try to pretend like we know how quarterbacks are, are thinking and it's what they're garbage. looking at all this other stuff. And you posted this great video on Harrison Smith that showed just how difficult that is where he's creeping up. He's showing creep coverage. He's dropping, he's dropping back at the last second. He looks like he's dropping to cover two, but he sneaks over into, I think it was the deep third for, for either, you know, cover one or, or cover three high. So, I was like, wow, this is fascinating. We need more of this. I want your take as a former player, um, high-level player, you know, for the Colts in the secondary play, free safety cornerback. What's your take on all these grading systems that are out there trying to determine what a player did right or wrong without actually being affiliated with the team? It's, I mean, it's number one, it's impossible. I, I co-host my man to man pod with a 14-year NFL vet. Yeah. Uh, play safety, Antoine Bethea. And we can sit and talk and watch film on guys, but we don't know what what adjustments are taking place in those meetings. We don't know adjustments that are taking place on the field between players, coaches, players. It's just so much that we don't know. You can't see the final result. They gave up a catch. Okay, it's this coverage. It looks like this. You can kind of get a close answer a lot of times, but literally you can't know without being in those meeting rooms. So it's impossible to, uh, you know, to be able to know from play to play. Now on a bigger scale, uh, from a macro scale, it's, it's, it, helped, it will help me as a player. It helped me as an analyst. If I can see and watch, let's say, four games and then look at the data, and I can yep. say, okay, this is the data from the other 20 games. So this may help me put this whole picture together. But if you're just looking at it as one source, it'll lead you the wrong way almost almost every time. But um, it, it's just so hard. There's so many details and so many intricacies. Like Harrison Smith, that play. Like his coach didn't tell him to do that. His coach didn't right. say, hey, show right. this, show that. That's just him, his instincts, his feel for the game, his feel for a cadence. You see with Troy Palomaro, you see it with Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, all that you just, they have a different feel. You don't know unless you're between those ears, you just see the final product. But uh, I, I love watching it. I love seeing, you know, those things. I love hearing quarterbacks talk. Like I watch the Manning cast, just hearing them talk and how they go through their process, what they see, what they don't see. Um, so I, I love it. Well, I'm glad you said that for a couple of reasons. One, uh, one, some, one of the most instinctual plays I've ever seen a couple of times has been Quentin Nelson uh, with the Colts when he has no one to block and suddenly he's like, he just looks around and sees somebody come up the quarterback, he picks him up all the time, it's amazing. But what you just said to me is so important as someone who breaks down film because what I cannot stand from people, and there are way too many of them, and I'm not gonna name any of them, but they drive <laughs> me absolutely crazy, who will look at game tape or all 22 well here's what went wrong here's this you're guessing okay yeah. you're guessing because what you just said you're not in the room you don't know what the call play call was you don't know who blew the assignment there you're, you're taking an educated guess but you're coming across as some sort of expert that knows everything about oh every player. what i love about what you do and, and it goes back to the i mean the prime example for me I think it was the regular season meeting last year 
between the Browns and the Steelers. Yep. When the Steelers, when the Browns needed a really a first down to seal the game. And what you did, you put it up on, on the screen and said, here's what I don't understand. Okay. And you went through the formation. It was, there was a fourth down play and yep. they had five wide out there. And eventually they had a matchup of Jarvis Landry on Spillane. I think that was exactly, the matchup yep. of the linebacker. And you're like, this is never going to work. And I don't understand why you would be in this situation defensively if that's what you see from the offense. And I felt like you were genuinely wanting to figure something out and yeah. curious as opposed to someone screaming at me, look why this is wrong. And I think tone matters in a lot of this. Oh, for and sure. That's why I really appreciate what you do on Twitter, because I don't yeah. feel like you're preaching to me. I yeah. think that you're saying, here's what I don't understand and I want to know why. And that means everything and how I listen to people when they break down tape. Yeah, I, I, surprisingly, man, I got I got a ton, I get a ton of great feedback from those things. Part of what you said, and part partly because people, I guess, can understand it easier. And I try, I always try to come with a disclaimer, like I don't know for certain. Yeah. But look, this this is my best guess, and this is with even defenses I played in. But you can right. it, things just change. It always evolves. It has to. But uh, for example, that play with the Steelers and the Browns, what I couldn't understand is why the defensive coordinator because people always ask why would you have this guy matched up on him or why wouldn't you have Jalen Ramsey on this guy but as a defensive coordinator you only have a couple things before you call your play you're not like an offensive right. coordinator you have the down and distance you know the offensive personnel that's in the game obviously you know time field position things like that but that's all you know you don't have formation so my thing was for the Steelers don't even call a zone call because the Browns in that situation, they only had one, maybe two wide receivers on the field. Jarvis Landry is your go-to guy when it's time to move the stick. So you have to call a man call and take a step further and say, hey, Joe Hayden, whoever my best corner is, you go find Jarvis in this situation or whoever that slot defender is. And to put him in a zone call and then you give the offense the ability to say, hey, I'm going to put uh, – Julian Edelman or Jarvis Lindsay right here at the three position. I know he's going to be matched up on a backer if you're in his own. So that was the part I couldn't understand. So just yeah. kind of explaining that. And uh, it, it's just so many mental gymnastics that it's no other rush or no other feeling that I can get from doing anything else. But, you know, put myself back in that meeting room, put myself back in the film room and trying to really figure out how to break things down. And a lot of times players reach out and say, hey, man, you were exactly right, man. That's that's what my coach yep. told me. They caught me. I got slipping doing this. I know if I'm doing that, uh, I'm doing something right. If players can reach out like that, yeah. The the thing the thing that I think you hit on too is like people don't understand the in game process the way you do as a as a player, right? You mentioned that the defensive coordinator he doesn't have all. You're not playing Madden. You can't hit yeah. pause yeah. and then and then take seven you know hours to pick your play, and yeah. you don't even like you said you don't know formation and the offense you know the offensive personnel but a lot of times the offensive personnel just got switched out, right? Yeah. So you're only seeing that you know. Um, so I think that that process piece is, is so important too, and I think that's the service you're doing, you know. And I want to get your 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 take on this, Darius. Is what are your thoughts about the current? sports media culture that I think you're you're trying to to break mm -hmm. through and I think you're doing a phenomenal job but part of that culture in my opinion and why we kind of created pro football network here is it's been about outrage hot takes <laughs> um pretending you know more than you do right yep. and it's created Trust a lot of miss and disinformation amongst the fan base i would argue that nfl fans now are less truly <laughs> educated about the game than they've ever been what are you are, is that something you're looking to combat with what you're doing 
Uh, I wouldn't necessarily. It's honestly, it's somewhat of a losing battle. But you know, you kind of you you will find your tribe. You know, if you put out content, if you find people and people will share it, and a lot of people are looking for a lot of the same things. Some people love to watch people yell at each other and just throw hot, you know, takes that you know are terrible a week later, but they keep tuning in just to see that back and forth. Uh, I have the power way be. We go back and forth. Sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes he's wrong. And as players. We're used to being wrong. We're used to being constructively criticized. We're used to taking that heat and then going to the next play and doing it again. So we'll never, I'll never come from a place or a platform of, hey, I'm right. I know what right. the hell I'm talking about. I know, like, I didn't know, you know, you should have took Herbert before Tua when that draft. Like, yeah. I, I didn't know it was kind of a toss up. I didn't know as much about Tua. Now looking back, you say, hey, Herbert would probably been the number one pick in that draft. Some people say Absolutely. Burrow, some people say Herbert. So you always got to come from that standpoint. That's where I come from as a player. The whole culture, I mean, it's kind of, I, I would say, get in as you fit in, get in where you fit in type thing. And, um, you know, a lot of the big, bigger networks, they want certain things that test well, that show the analytics and all those things. And for me, getting into it and, and making my own lane, it's kind of like, hey, I got to be authentic to myself. I want to be educational. I want to have fun with it. And, um, you know, those are the important things to me. And I think along the way, I'll continue to find, you know, my tribe, my following and uh, hopefully continue to grow because I, I do enjoy doing it I, I enjoy you know still being connected with the players and coaches I, I've had head coaches I have personnel people all kind of people that I never would expect it to reach out to me and DM and say hey I love what you're doing hey nice. I want to talk to you about this and things like that so you know I, it's doing everything I wanted to do for me uh, real quickly for who, who you do your podcast with again Antoine Bethay Antoine Bethay okay yeah. Yeah. by the way uh, I was like Antonio Brown uh, you know, <laughs> Donald Brown's the running back from UConn. Like, oh, yeah. By the way, two years ago, I was watching. I'm like, holy shit, Antoine Bethea is still in the league. Good for yeah. him, man. He, 14 he had years. a run, man. He had 14 a run. Years. Yeah. And he got announced, um, I think, last night. Uh, Saw that. As a, as a finalist, yeah, for the Black HBCU. College uh, Hall of Fame. Yep. So yeah. um, he should get in. But um, salute to AB. Great career. Great, great uh, man. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things I wanted to bring up with you today is – um, obviously, you're, you're mostly tied to the Colts, and the Colts to me have been a fascinating team. How quickly people have forgotten that 0 and 3 start, um, yep. and they really look like they were going to do okay against the Patriots. The, I mean, just shows you how one play can change a game. Watching mm -hmm. that game on Sunday, they're up 10 in the third quarter. They're moving pretty efficiently, and Shaq Barrett comes loose, strip sack, fumble, yep. ends that drive. That to me, that changed the entire game. It changed the entire game. This Colts team, I think, is going to be really interesting to watch because they have found their – they had five turnovers. and One was a Hail Mary. I get it. They had yeah. four turnovers in, when, when the game was on the line, essentially. It's hard to win when you do that. But you look at some of the things they've done. Since November 1st, the Colts have the highest-scoring offense in the NFL. Their red zone efficiency has gone up to 66% when it was 51% through the first two months of the season. Uh, they have 27 takeaways since November 1st, most in the NFL, and the defense allowed a quarterback three or more seconds to throw just 27% of the time. Mm. I think this is a team that if they can stop turning the ball over, nobody wants to see in the playoffs. I agree with you. They're a tough uh, physical team. You can kind of see the league uh, kind of reversing its course a little bit. Like it, yeah. it, the nastier, the grittier teams are winning and kind of that's what you see. As football players in those locker rooms, these are the teams that – separate themselves in December. The guys that can be up front, 
uh, physical up front. They play good defense. They can control the line of scrimmage and run. They control the tempo of the game, running that ball. And that strip sack came um, in a in a moment, a time in the game where Massive. the Colts the Colts were passing the ball a lot. And, and yeah. you know that's that's a tough. Those some grown ass men on that Tampa Bay front. But when you give a guy like Shaq Barrett that momentum in the tempo where, okay, they've dropped back and passed, you know, 12 out of the last 15 plays, like it's going to start to become hell on that left tackle as opposed yeah. to when you're handing it off to 28 every other time. And it's like, okay, do I have to set this edge or not? So it kind of came at that time. We had a muff punt. You can't have those turnovers and be uh, – And pe people forget, Darius, that, that, that uh, Eric Fisher is coming back, and I, you know, this is yep. personal to me because I am also coming back from an Achilles rupture. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as the left tackle on the Colts, Shaq Barrett in a guaranteed coming with speed, you know, situation is the last thing you want to be facing, you know, in, in that moment. So there's another thing right there, too. Yeah, um, it's, it's tough. But as, as players, you know, I, we, we don't care. We don't care about your right. injuries. We don't care what you're coming <laughs> off of. It's That's week right. 13. If you're on, if you're on the field, you're supposed to play. Yeah. Exactly. My kids That's are tired right. of me being out of the house. I, every, every everything is, is cold outside. You can see what the hell you're wearing right now. Everything <laughs> hurts for everybody, man. Um, you, you mentioned something and, you know, larger networks and metrics and, and hot takes. I always find it interesting what stories take off for what reasons and don't. For example, and look, Brett has heard me say this a million times, so he's probably be sick of it. You know, Patrick Mahomes had three bad games in a row yep. and people acted like he was a JV quarterback. Never mind that through the first six games of the season, the Chiefs had more points per game, more yards per game, better third down conversion rate, and a better red zone touchdown conversion rate than either of their two Super Bowl years. They were just turning the ball over. So they had three bad games, and people like pretended that Andy Reid didn't know how to coach a quarterback, and Patrick Mahomes suddenly you know, was varsity blues. <laughs> it, was, it was insane. Okay, Now let's look at the Ravens, who found a way to win some games, but Lamar Jackson has played poorly. For yep. five straight games. I mean, I'm, there's no there's no pure metric to measure quarterback, whether it's passer rating or QBR. I like QBR because it's just one to one hundred. It makes it a little easier. Yep. He hasn't had a QBR rating of zero to one hundred over fifty two in five straight games. And Sunday night when he went four interceptions, he had a QBR of twenty five. Nobody Ooh. is saying Lamar Jackson is suddenly a terrible quarterback and John Harbaugh is a terrible coach. So why was it such a hot take flame throwing thing after three games for Mahomes when suddenly nobody brings it up for Lamar Jackson? I mean, I don't know. You know, obviously uh, Patrick Mahomes has kind of been crowned as, you know, the next, rightfully so, you know, yeah. his start coming out of the gate, like it was something I had never seen before. He was like a few of the great quarterbacks all, all put together. So to see him kind of playing, you know, at a human level and this offense actually being slowed down, I can see why it could have been, you know, coming off, back-to-back -back Super Bowls. I can see why they, you know, get try to make that a bigger story. And Lamar, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm concerned with them. Uh, they have been finding ways to win and, and winning ball games and, and, and somehow, some way. But early on, I had him in the MVP conversation because I'm yeah, looking yeah. at that team and the, the injuries that they were dealing with and all these different things. And they're still sitting, I think, atop of the AFC right now. So it, it's uh, it, it's incredible. Uh, and people were writing off the Chiefs, writing off the yeah. homes. But watching them play – it, a lot of it, where well, he was doing the same things, honestly, even when he was on that great start. One thing about Mahomes and something that uh, we talk about is DBs. Like, you know, going into a game, certain quarterbacks are going to give you a few chances to make plays. And that's been Mahomes' MO from the jump. He's going to give you three, four opportunities to pick him off. And for a lot of the times, a lot of those games, guys are just dropping them. And yeah. it just got to a point where maybe it was being emphasized more in the lot and in meeting rooms or something, but guys were catching them and actually turning them over and then not having a, a, a – legit running threat 
having a legit run game and then having a third option outside of Tyreek who can take the top off any defense and Travis Kelsey who can move the sticks. That kind of hurt him. But Andy Reid, Eric B, Patrick Mahomes, you got to expect those guys to uh, figure it out at some point. And they, well, well, like that's they interesting, right? Because, look, the Ravens, as you said, top in the AFC. The Patriots are eight and four. If you had to put your money on one team to, to run the table in the AFC, who would it be? You Ooh. know what? It'll be the Chiefs. This is why you're brilliant. You, you, <laughs> sir, are brilliant. Great, great minds think alike. But <laughs> I mean, I, I love, I love, I love what Mac Jones is doing. Um, love even more what that defense is doing with Belichick. Um, and I would bet on a Belichick team if it wasn't a rookie quarterback. I, I yeah. just can't, I can't Who's take been Mac great, Jones. by the way. He's Who's been, been great. phenomenal, but I just can't yeah. take Mac Jones you know, in a winner-take-all game against, you know, Patrick Mahomes in that offense. You know, I saw him go toe-to-toe with Brady too many times. So, um, for that reason, I would go with the Chiefs. And then uh, on the other side, you know, it'll be the Bucks or the, or the Packers. I want to jump on that Arizona Cardinals train, but once again, I haven't seen it in December and January yet. Correct. Not to say it can't be this year. They look they look yeah. damn good right now. So, um, but right now on that side, it's the uh, the Packers and the uh, Bucks. But by the way, crazy real quick, I'm hold oh, the record, crazy work. The, the right now heading into the first weekend of December, the Cardinals have the best record in football. Last time that happened, we had just finished World War II, 1948, <laughs> and the Cardinals played in Chicago. That's how long it's been. That's how long it's been. They are they are a damn good ball club this year. They came yeah. out of the gates firing. Physical, their, their signings look great. You know, front office. I, I I know I took some shots at them uh starting this season on how they handle some things. Um, and I've seen some former players talking about some things that's going on, but they've done obviously a tremendous job getting those guys in that building, changing that culture around and uh dominating on both sides of the ball. So I mean, I am excited to see how they finish the season, especially with uh Murray coming back. Yeah. Hey Darius, thank you uh by the way so much for being gracious with your time. I don't want to take too much more of it. Um, but first of all, I want to say that uh, because of Trey, we have set the Guinness Guinness Book of World Records for most consecutive shows of a podcast mentioning Patrick Mahomes. Um, <laughs> why season. wouldn't you? Like that's what, why. I mean, if you think it by the, by the same token, that's why all the networks are talking about him because they know he gets viewership. Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely right. He's the dude. But we've been the ones here at More Than Football for Pro Football Network telling the truth about Patrick Mahomes. You never I, I probably broke the record for her mouths. Yeah, well, I'm, good, I'm on the Her- I'm on the Herbert train like you guys are on the Mahomes train. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, listen, what I love about Herbert is he he can reset from almost any platform. You know, yeah. people always want to have that. Hey, here, here, throw here. Not in the NFL, man. You need to find your base on a million different ways. Mm-hmm. And that Sunday night game against the Steelers, obviously, he had a rough game against the Broncos. But that Sunday yeah. night, I'm watching him throw and being able to reset from wherever he needed to be. It was incredible. Yeah, he, he's a he's a great, great talent. Um, Darius, I have a couple questions here from some Colts fans that I want to get to. And then I have two questions of my own for you before we finish up here. Um, and then I have three three paragraphs I'd like you to respond <laughs> yeah. to. Yes. And maybe yeah. go over my notes for next week's show. Let's do it. Trey, I love you. Um, <laughs> this, this, this question came in from Twitter user GD Thompson 99, and he's a Colts fan, so you know there's a there's a preferred answer here. Who is the best slot corner in the NFL? And he basically <laughs> forgot to add, and why is it Kenny Moore? Why, yeah, exactly. That 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 would be um obviously my answer. I love Kenny Moore. We we still work together, still talk about football. I had him, he had got he came in with the Patriots, got released by the Patriots, came over to uh Indy. 
And just even him as a rookie, when he wasn't playing a ton of defense, he was always just so receptive and, and paying attention to everything that was going on in the meetings. Anytime his number was called, he was on point. So it hasn't surprised me at all to see him grow the way he has. And shout out to him. He had a great episode of Hard Knocks, too. Um, things yeah. he was doing with he Mighty did. Mason out there. But um, I would go with Kenny Moore. I love uh, Jalen Ramsey out there in L.A. Um, and, and that's kind of going to be the trend, I think, with defenses going forward, you know, finding a way to put your best defenders in that slot because your best yeah. corner making 20, 22 million a year and he's outside on one side, you can just ignore that side. But when you put him in that slot where he can blitz, he can be involved in the run game, he can yep. cover guys when they move around, I think that's uh, so valuable. So I would be hesitant, honestly, to pay a guy a bunch of money that couldn't do that. So Jalen Ramsey, Kenny Moore, like Mike Hilton and Cincy, um, I, I love the guy. Um, I always mix his two, last two names up um, out in New Orleans. Chauncey uh, Gardner Johnson, I think his name yeah, is. Um, it's it, yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot of good good uh, slot defenders out there. Yeah, the thing about Kenny is he's such a good open field tackler. You know, I work yep. with Ben Bassett in part. Indianapolis, so I've had a chance to get to know Kenny a little bit, and he's very exciting. Um, I have another another question. Our last one from a Colts fan here is at curious underscore Colt. So another another question here for you, but this is a good one, especially having played for for Belichick the way you have. But um, how were you coached? And and in, in your opinion now, what is your preference to play the ball when it's in the air? given the, the prevalence of pass interference penalties. So a lot of times now we used to say, right, the corners, you got to get your head turned. You got to turn around and face up the ball. Now we're seeing a lot of guys face the, the, the receiver and punch the ball out through the triangle. What's mm -hmm. your preference there? And what would you coach a young DB now to do? Uh, I mean, I would coach the DB. It's, it's really about positioning, number one. If you're in, you have to be in position as a DB to, to play the football, you know, so you kind of got to, Throughout the down, you got to earn your right to be able to play the football and, and or you can just be super talented enough where sometimes you're not even in great position, but you have so much confidence in yourself, kind of like Xavier Howard, where he and he's a former receiver as well. Uh, Trevon Diggs, same thing and Kyle, and, uh, with the Dallas Cowboys, like these guys who have those ball skills, who are extremely confident in their ball skills, which a lot of DBs aren't you see those guys get their head around and make more plays on the ball. So I think a lot of it has to do with being in position, having confidence in your ball skills. And then uh, another part of it is what type of system do you play? Are you playing – if you're man-to-man, -man, your back is going to be to the quarterback a lot more than it is if you're going to be a zone defender. So that matters as well. But I think Great more than anything, point. being in good position gives you the ability to get your head around because if you're not in good position, you just have to run to the pocket and kind of uh, play those hands. And real right. quick, for whoever asked that, Go back and watch Randy Moss's highlights, and you'll be surprised that most of his deep balls, most of his highlights, it wasn't him jumping over people and just snatching them. It was him running by people, DBs being in bad position, so they yep. can't play the ball. They have to play his hands, and then Randy Moss showing his hands at the absolute last second where it almost falls in his hip or in his you know, waist area. So go back and watch those highlights. You'll be surprised, but that's why Randy did it. It's a subtle thing that great ones do, but uh, it's tough to do uh, as a DB is playing that ball. And DB coaches coach it differently too, right? Depending on the, the system you're in, environment you're in, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but Darius, again, thank you so much, man. My final question for you, Trace, don't get mad at me. My final question <laughs> for you is... I'm enjoying this. And I, and I appreciate that. Um, when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused, right? Which I'm, I'm assuming as a DB, as a, as a player in the NFL, that can happen a lot with all the things that oh, come yeah. at you week after week. What are some strategies that you've utilized then as a player that you also utilize now as you're looking at your post-football life? 
to help you with being overwhelmed and unfocused? Oh man, that, that's a good one. Um, because I feel like in the NFL season, and I mean, in life in general, we feel overwhelmed a lot. And I know as a player, um, you're, I kind of talk, I guess maybe myself and coaches or whatever, it was just like, Hey, no excuses, no explanation, just get the job done. And if that's always your mindset, you, you have to give yourself a break at some point, whether it's as soon as you get home, give yourself a 30 minute wind down an hour, however long you can do. I have this Pomodoro technique that I've been using lately. And it helps mm, me kind of, okay. you know, give myself. So I got a, a, an hourglass that's 25 minutes. So once that 25 minutes is up, whatever focus work I'm doing, I take a five minute break and get away from it. And awesome. then I come back and reset. And it kind of helps me, you know, not yeah. get locked into something so long and not get overwhelmed with it. Because when you're overwhelmed, you're stressed, you can't make plays. And that's the <laughs> that's same it. thing in life. But you can't yeah, make man. the best plays um, as you can. So that'll be, I guess, my my tad bit of advice, my two cents on that. Well, it's interesting thank you. because that that's that's pretty much in every sport. Like if you're thinking about your golf swing, you're going to be a terrible golfer. Oh yeah, you just have to go out there and you know and do it. So yeah. I, I I have one last question for us. Speaking of being overwhelmed, as we're watching the Colts go through the first uh, in regular season hard knocks, can you imagine if the NFL said, "Hey, Bill Belichick, we'd like to put in <laughs> cameras everywhere, not in preseason, during season." What do you think? You know what? Crazy enough, we actually had that happen in New England. It might have been my rookie year, and um, it, the NFL Films was doing something. And, I, and it, it wasn't as overwhelming as I thought, honestly. You kind of get yeah. used to it, I guess. Um, but I'm sure with Belichick, he had probably 95% of the stuff cut out of it and edited him and uh, Ernie out there. But it does, you, you do kind of get used to it, I guess. Um, it is It is something that's extra. It is a distraction. It can be. But once you get used to it, you get in the flow of kind of the season, it kind of just becomes a, a part of it. That's awesome. Uh, thank you, Darius, so much again. Uh, we we went over, we typically, I could have talked to you for hours, man. Hey, um, same here. I appreciate football. it. I, I appreciate it. Um, we, we definitely hope to have you back and we'll hopefully uh, do that shortly. But um, you have a great, great rest of uh, December. Big things from you coming up in the media. Follow you on Twitter at Darius J. Butler. Subscribe to his podcast, the Man to Man podcast with Darius Butler and Antoine Bethea, nine-year NFL vet. Thank you for coming to More Than Football. Hey, man, appreciate you. And my Twitter timeline is a lot more than football. I tell you that. You have yeah. no idea what you're going to see. I don't have a clue. I'm going to post on there uh, yeah. every day. So I hope you guys enjoy it, man. Appreciate you guys having me on, man. Trey, it's been a long time coming. Appreciate uh, the conversation, the dialogue we have uh, off camera as well, man. But it's just Absolutely. That's the thing about Darius. Like, we can, if I have a question about anything, I can hit him up and we'll have that conversation. And I really yep. appreciate that. And please give AB my love, man. I was we'll like, do. that guy, that guy did it right. Six rounder. Super Bowl champ, 14 years. All the respect in the world for Antoine Buffet. Solid dude. Walter Payton, man of the year. All, he, he checks all the boxes, man. Yes, he does. There it is. I am Brett Yaris at B underscore Yaris on Twitter. He is Trey Wingo, Pro Football Network Chief NFL Analyst at Wingo's with a Z on Twitter. This is more than football. We'll see you next week.